Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, the one and only Jack Howard. He's been a colorist for 40 years. He is a brand ambassador to both L'Oreal USA, not both, all, L'Oreal USA, UK, and Ireland. He travels back and forth regularly to all of those places. And I'm exhausted just watching his movement on Instagram. I love your Instagram, Jack. That's where I found you. Um, I've enjoyed following you. Um, I don't have a great relationship with Instagram, so it really is a compliment that I'm going on there for you. (laughs) So Thank you so much. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, Yeah, I I love hate Instagram. So, you know, it it depends on the mood, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think for business is the reason that I get so icky about it because... I've, I've done all the classes, right? I've done the, um, you know, behind the chair, improve your Instagram followers, do this and that. And I've done every single thing that everyone tells me to do. And my follower count has been at 5,500 for five years. <laughs> it just right. the same. So I'm like, clearly I'm doing something wrong. Um, where on Facebook, I can say one sentence and have 400 people like it. You know what I mean? It's just a different audience, I guess. I'm not sure. Um, but our you know, passion is the same in that we're trying to help other hairdressers be fabulous colorists. So we both we both have that passion and purpose to being on Instagram. Whether or not it's landing is is something I can't figure out. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that uh, because I'd sort of forgotten about Facebook for a long time. But there are masses of hair communities on there talking about all kind of things that you can't talk about on Instagram. And it's it's just different, right? But I think that any way in which you can support and help and also learn yourself within a community is amazing. And I don't think it matters what the platform is. Yeah, I think my biggest frustration within those groups, I talk about it a lot on the podcast, so people listening are like, here she goes. Because I'm such a giver and because I love, love, love what I do, I want to answer people's questions and help them. But there's this abrasive, reactive response from the person who needs the help the most. It's almost like, I knew that. I knew that. Like, they don't want to admit that they didn't know. And I'm like, that's why you're on here asking. You know, if your client's in your chair and you're on Facebook in front of a bunch of absolute strangers who have no idea whether they can do hair color or not asking for advice when someone who has 36 years experience and is an educator and really wants to help you take the help and don't be mean like I get my feelings hurt when I'm trying to help someone where they're like "Ah, I already knew that and I'm like okay well why are you on here asking strangers I don't say that but I'm thinking why are you on here asking strangers for advice then if you know it just do it I think there's fear. so much fear behind hair color. Fear is like the monster yes. that really prevents people from soaring as colorists. It holds us back, the fear. You know, it holds us back emotionally. It holds us back in a work environment. It holds us back in our relationships. The fear of not knowing, the fear of failure. 
I mean, you know, that's a really tough one because only the person that's fearful can work through that. You can't, you can't bring them out of it. They've got to be willing to be open to fail. Todd. Exactly. The, the place that I've gotten the most movement with that is when I'm at, at an event, a live event, and I'm on the stage and I'm talking about a certain way of formulating and I get a lot of, you know, sideways like, huh? And I say, just do me a favor on your next problem client that you've, you haven't been able to nail their formula, you've been struggling with it, it's super brassy, whatever. Just promise me you'll try the way that I'm proposing to you, just in the back of the hair, down in the nape, just a little section. Don't make a big parade out of it to your client. Just mix it up, do it. Do your normal formula everywhere else because you, you know you're safe. And then when you're going to try, <laughs> just take a peek and see how good the back looks. And then you know for next time that it's okay to do the new way. Um, and that has really helped. A lot of people have written to me and said, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Like it felt so much better knowing that the client had no idea. And if I did mess up, it was one little spot in the back that she would never see, you know? So things like that, I try to, I try to use my life coaching background to the psychological fear, fear-based things in color, but it really doesn't, as you know, it doesn't have to be as scary and complicated as it's made out to be. No, and it doesn't, but I think that's the difference between digital education and in-person education, right? They don't, they complement each other, but they don't replace each other because in that room is the most connection I find. And that's the aha moments, you know, then they can be tiny. It's not like I'm changing the world, right? I'm showing what works for me. And I think that's what makes you a good educator. Yeah, I, I really do love it. And I love that we're able to do it virtually now because I really, of course, had no idea what was coming with the pandemic and the shutdowns and all of that. But I moved to another state. I, I left my very successful salon, stepped away from behind the chair for the first time, started a whole new business at 51 years old with virtual education. Most people didn't know what that was. They didn't know how to get on Zoom. They were so flustered yeah. getting on to my classes. But you've seen, you know, you do it, I do it. You see how much it's embraced because a lot of people in the middle, I found just through conversations that the middle of the country is the void. You know, we have classes in California, we have classes in New York, you know, both sides of the country. But for most people, it's a big ask to have them get on a plane and travel and be away from their family, be away from their, you know, most hairdressers don't get paid when they don't work. So no. the virtual, it's like, oh, thank God, I can actually watch it when my kids are asleep and I'm home anyway. Um, so that's been awesome. Yeah, I'm actually hitting the middle a little bit this year. Um, in my second full year in the USA, I decided that, you know, the LA, New York, all that, that fine, I do that already. But there was this, this, this group of people that maybe I wasn't being exposed to, wasn't showing what I could do to. And I thought that the middle, whatever the middle is, and I'm not quite sure yet, of the US. I hear a lot of Kansas City, like Kansas City people reach out all the time and they're like, we have no classes in Kansas City. Yeah. Um, so right, right in that area, it's like, you know, a, a yeah. manufacturer, like a distributor will have like a small thing, but not bringing Jack Howard in. So yeah, there, there's your target. If you're, if you're on the road, I keep threatening to do a, I, I wrote a book. It's very simple. It's just the basics of my story and my journey in hair color with some hair color tips. And I've always wanted to do a book tour, like run an RV and just show up at beauty schools all over the country, bring my books and gift them to everybody and just have a little jam session. 
but I got to tell you, it's not been easy to approach schools. It's almost like they don't want free education to come into the schools. It's been a, it's been an anomaly that I just can't quite put my finger on what's going on with that. Because when I was in beauty school, I would have loved if Jack Howard showed up at my beauty school and gave me a book and told me something about hair color. Yeah, there was a, a case recently in, in my area. I'm based in DC when I'm in the USA. And um, it's like, oh no, we don't do external trainers. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I was like, I'm not asking for a lot of money on this. I'm sort of doing this, you know, to kind of be seen and, and all of that. So it's interesting, isn't it, how it all works? You know, you have to figure it out. Yeah, I think what happens, um, I, I feel bad because I always throw shade on beauty schools, but we know how antiquated the beauty school setup is because it's all to pass the test, which who knows if there's even going to be a test soon. I hear that I think in Pennsylvania where I'm from, it's only a written test now. You don't have to do any practical. So pretty soon there probably won't even be that. So they're spending time on, I just spoke to a student yesterday. She did an interview. They had to pick a mentor and interview them for their school project. And she said, we spend two to 300 hours of our training on manicures. I'm like, if you wanted to be a nail tech, you would go to school to become a nail tech. You're in there to become a hairdresser. Why are they wasting 300 hours on nails? That kills me. I don't understand that either. Uh, it, it's beyond me in that. But Now, in no, the UK, I, I know it's different. Do they still do all that in the UK, or is it more hair-focused but just longer? The UK is really interesting because it, you don't have to be licensed to practice. Interesting. So anyone can come in and put their sign up and say they're a hairdresser. But there is a national qualification and the MVQ3, which is not bad in itself, is recognized around the world, which is great. Um, but there are lots of people that maybe just did in salon training and never went and got that qualification. Um, and it's just a, a whole different approach. There's no licensing in the UK yet. You have to be licensed to be a dog walker. I don't understand. Now, is that new? What, to be a dog walker or no license? No, no, to have no license. I thought it was harder and took longer that you had no. to apprentice for X amount of time. So, yes, if you do the apprentice route, when I was when I was a kid, which 40 years ago, right, it was three years as a junior, so basically an assistant, shampooing and passing up perm rods and working your way up, <clears throat> and then two years as a junior stylist, and then after five years, you were a stylist. Now, of course times have changed and people don't want to spend three years you know and a lot of that was cleaning um but there's a discipline I think in it but now you could it, it's a little bit quicker if you do your MVQ3 but you don't have to do it did not know so, that because yeah, most of the the most uh successful hairdressers I know have that background they came from the UK they did the apprentice they for, for me I think one of the biggest disconnects in unsuccessful new hairstylist is the client communication, the consultation, the emotional intelligence that you can't learn in beauty school is usually absorbed from a strong mentor. And yes. now the trend here in the US, I don't know how it is over there, but in the US, it's like they get out of school, they want to go right into a suite. They know it all. They're fabulous. They want to have their own business. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Like you have no idea how to talk to a client who just lost her husband or a client who no-shows four times in a row. How do you handle that? Like Those are the, the soft skills that aren't in any textbook that I learned from being next to a strong mentor many years ahead of me. So I worry yes. about that part of it. 
I do worry about that. And there's, you know, in the, in, so in the UK market, 60% of hairdressers have now gone independent because the salons <clears throat> haven't necessarily offered all the things that they should have offered. Mm. I get it. I, I see how the California model of booth renting has sort of spread across the US now. We've got a lot of people going independent. Independent is lonely. Isolation is lonely. Isolation, there's no one to bounce off. There's no one to support you. There's no one for you to support. There's no one to watch, to watch you. There's none of that. And I, I personally think that we're going to see a move away from that and more, maybe still independent, but sort of we working spaces where you're all in there together and, you know, you're, you're, you're talking and you're in the room together, not in a separate suite. Because I don't want to be like that. And I think I just, I do worry about our young hairdressers in there. But at the same time, I wouldn't want to see somebody spending three years cleaning a toilet. I do think there's a discipline in understanding why the toilet needs to be clean. And I do think there's a discipline in understanding why you should be picking up coffee cups, even if they're not your own, because it's the space, the 360, the, 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 what you create that somebody comes into is super, super important. But I don't think, I think that if you need cleaners as a salon owner, get cleaners, right? And let the assistant sit, assist. Because when I was an assistant, the senior stylist had three assistants and we were winding perms at the beginning. We were starting the blow dries. We got hands-on practical experience. Hands in, yeah. And they don't always get that now. And, and for the last maybe 10, 15 years, they haven't got that. And that is the older part of the industry's fault. And they have to accept responsibility for the, the way in which the industry has gone now. And we have to find a way to bring us all back. I agree. I had an interesting conversation on yesterday's podcast interview. Uh, they talked about a hybrid where it's sort of like, booth rent, sort of like solo, sort of like commission. It's kind of like the best parts of all three. And it sounded really interesting. The issue with me is my salons in Pennsylvania and none of that can happen because Pennsylvania is in the dark ages and they won't allow rental. So even though, yes. like you said, it started in California and is you know blowing across the whole country, PA is still a place that you can't buy a bottle of wine in the grocery store and you can't have chair rental. But what they mm. did was... This model was, you know, each stylist paid a weekly amount for their chair. And then the salon owner became almost like a mini distributor. The salon owner was in charge of still purchasing all the product and then marking it up like 25% to each of the chair people so that they don't have to constantly run to the, it was interesting. It was like a, a halfway hybrid thing. Um, so people are getting super creative about the way that they're running their business. And I agree with you a thousand percent on the loneliness. When I first moved here, you know, fear we talked about earlier, the fear was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm a colorist. I'm a hairdresser. Like I can't just do nothing right now. I have to like get going and get some clients. So my client acquisition was more for models for the online education, but I still wanted a space to be able to do my thing, set up my camera and my lighting and all that. So I sublet a lease with a girl that I didn't know because everybody's so happy to share because they're going broke. And I run it three days a week. <laughs> I walked in and, you know, I'm the oldest one in the whole place. Everybody's oh. like 20 and they have their, their cool hats and yeah. all that. <laughs> yeah. I am too. So, hey. 
Yeah. Well, they were not welcoming at all. It was really awful. Like I walked down the hallway and I'm kind of peeking in each room, like, Hey, hi, trying to say hello. And they're kind of like going back to their thing and shutting their door. And I'm in this little room and she had painted the walls pink, which was awful for photography. As you know, everybody's hair was a different color on the pictures than they were in person. I did it for about three months. And I was like, I remember going in on a Saturday and there was like two people working and the whole entire, there's, I think there's 50 suites in this place and two people were open. And I started talking to the girls and they said, well, we don't come in when we don't have clients. And I'm like, well, you're never going to have clients. And I know that's old school and we get made fun of for that, but that really is, you have to be there or you're always going to have a slow Saturday. You're always going to not have clients because you're not there. So, this, I mean, things have changed, but too much in some cases. Yes. Now, I think this whole, everyone wants to niche down, right? I didn't niche down until I was like 30 years into the industry, right? I niched down from hairdresser to colorist, but then I did everything as a colorist. And then I got known for painting. And then that's basically all I virtually did at one point. And then back in the US market, I'm doing great coverage again. I'm doing foils. I'm, you know, I'm playing around with that and I'm painting. But it's like, if you niche down too quick, you don't know what you don't know. And if you're niching because you're unsure of how to do a proper scalp bleach if you're unsure how to do a platinum card you're avoiding and when that niche becomes unfashionable what are you left with it's exactly it, it's crazy and it's and it part of it is that instagram thing where it's like you've got to stay in your lane i, I want to stay in a lane sometimes you know it's worked for me but it's also i am more than a clay lightener and a heavy paint. I am more. And that's what I'm trying to do with my Instagram. I'm just like, to hell with this. There's more to Jack Howard than that. It's worked very well. But our industry, we can't just be a niche straight off. Madness. I, I agree. You have Sorry. to earn your way into, I 100% agree with you because it's true. It's not, I've, I've perfected this craft and I am obsessed with this procedure and I want to do this for the rest of my life and only do this. It's, Oh, I'm good at this. I'm bad at that. I'm just going to keep doing this. And yeah. I think what's happening with all the, the lived in color, I have to say has been my favorite thing to come as an experienced colors. When that came along, I was like, Oh my gosh, how beautiful. Why didn't we ever think of that? We always did the, the highlights coming out of the skull, like a doll head, you know, like the clients wanted it coming out of their brain. And God forbid you had any kind of root there. So I love that whole thing. But it's gone so far where the newer stylists are like, oh, I don't do gray coverage. Well, guess what? Your beautiful, lovely 20s with their balayage are going to be the gray coverage clients. And they're going to leave to go somewhere that's going to take care of their gray. I don't know about you, so but I love knowing that my client's coming every four to five weeks. And I, I still put dimension in there and I gloss and glaze and do all the things. But they were the most loyal and freaking out during COVID because they're like, I need those roots done where the balayage people are like, I could go another year and I'm totally fine. <laughs> See, and I think this is, this is the big lie because I taught, I started teaching balayage in the nineties, right? When nobody really talked about it. L'Oreal mm -hmm. was in the USA at the time. L'Oreal USA were doing that. I, Nancy Braun, who really sort of That's taught who taught that. me, yeah. Yeah. And then I was Nancy's second and I taught, started teaching the beginners class and all of that. So we talked about the fact that it was, it was more lived in, right? But it was still to the root, but it just wasn't as hard. We've got a generation, because that was a long time ago, 
We've got a generation of colorists that don't know how to do a highlight to the root. And when I teach ballet arts, I'm like, who's frightened of going to the root? And the hands go up. And I'm like, today we are going to the root. Because if you can paint anything to a root, you can paint it away. But if you can only paint it away, and you don't know how to get to the root nice and tight and pretty, you're in trouble because trends change. And I am so bored of lived in hair, right? That it's like, if, if everybody's doing lived in hair, somebody's going to start doing something different and that's going to become the next trend. And again, this niching down into, I'm a lived in specialist, great. But can you paint to the root because it's going to change? And my job as an educator is to not give, and I say this really proudly, I do not teach get the look. I teach you the skills to create the looks that you want, including going to the root. I love that. And I love that so much because one of my other pet peeves is people are not looking at the client's face. They're just looking at the hair and creating a look. And, you know, again, in these questions on forums, this girl showed a picture of an inspo, no picture of the existing client. So it's like, okay, how do I help you if I don't know where she's coming from? That's a big thing. Yeah. But I said to her, uh, my answer was, do you happen to have a photo of your client, a front facing picture of your photo of your client so that I can see her eye color, skin color and her face? And she said, what does her eye color or skin color have? To do? That's what I say when I get my feelings hurt. Like she was very combative. Like, what does that have to do with it? And I said, it has everything to do with it, because if you're making her, you know, this was a very violet, deep, almost like purpley red. And I said, if if you spin her around and her skin doesn't go with that and she leans more to an orangey copper or even a red brown, then, yeah, you gave her what she wanted. But is it really the best for her skin? And she said, I don't care if it looks good with her face. That was her answer. I don't care if it looks good with her face. She's happy with the hair being. And I was like, OK, Elaine, it's time to start, stop answering these people and only pay attention to your group because they listen and they understand what you're trying to teach them. My friend always says this. You don't know what you don't know. And if younger stylists are getting all their inspiration from Instagram, nobody's talking about that. Nobody's talking about the fact that with clever color placement, you can do exactly what makeup does. Makeup contouring mm -hmm. changes the face, the illusion of it. It doesn't change it full time. Hair color can do exactly the same. You can highlight the eyes. You can bring out the cheekbones. You can thin the shape. You can make the, the face look like the perfect shape with hair color. But nobody's talking about that because everyone's too busy with platinum cards and ashy blondes and, you know, and selling products at this point as well. There's a lot of people selling products. And so there's the whole generation of people that have missed that, missing out on these conversations. And really our responsibility is if, that we know this stuff, that we should be talking about it more. So I, you know, I am at fault in that, that I'm not talking about that enough. And, um, you know, we've got to, we've got to help and support our industry. I think the last person that really got into the true dramatic makeover was Jose Bear. Do you remember when he would do a woman's hair and it was like such a transformation? <clears throat> he would come out on those morning shows. This was back in the eighties when I was first starting as a hairdresser. I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, someone would have him on. It wasn't even Oprah. It was pre Oprah. It was probably like Merv Griffin or something. I can't remember how long ago <laughs> it was, but they would have a woman that was, you know, in her, you know, mid to late fifties. And she kind of had the, 
ashy natural hair with like a little bit of gray and look frumpy and thin and just laying on her shoulders. And they would, she would come out from behind the stage and look like completely redone between the makeup, the hair, the haircut, the color, the placement of the color, as you said, pulling up the cheeks, like it completely mm -hmm. transformed them. And I was like, I want to be that kind of hairdresser. I want to really show a woman what she can possibly look like and make recommendations. You know, the night before I see a client, a new client or even an existing client, I'll have a photo of them and I'll go looking through different photos in my iPad and look for inspiration and say, when they come in, you know, I was thinking about you last night and the gold flecks in your eyes and the color of your skin really would look amazing with this shade that JLo wore in this award show or whatever. And they're like, oh my God, that's beautiful. Where they might come in and just say, just cover the gray, just match what I have because they don't know that there's a better, you know? They don't know this. I always I say like, go ahead. I was going to say, if they're new to you, though, of course, there's also they're coming in and they're fearful. They're new because they've lost their colorist or because they hate their hair color. So they come with this huge body of fear. And, you know, they're like, same as usual, just do it. They, they haven't been offered. And that is where I think that the consultation process, I won't take a new client unless she comes in for a consultation first. She's not allowed 100%. to book an appointment until we've done that consultation because in that moment and everyone seems really shocked in the US when they come in I do an allergy alert test I sit down I'm like okay let's talk let's hear blah 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 this 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 is the plan this is the cost this is where we can go and everyone's like and then some people don't even want to talk to me they're like uh, uh, I don't know what to do because it's not that experience and as an industry we should be raising the game we should be you know, if if people feel there's no value in being a hairdresser or, you know, it's whatever, let's make the value in it because there's lots of value in it. Let's make people see that the experts that we are. A hundred percent. But I think it's gone too far the other way where the the newer generation is hearing charge your worth, you know, have boundaries, fire clients like they're going so far the other way where they're coming out with no experience, never having done anything and charging $400 for a lived in look. That's not great. You know, you see the after and it's like blotchy and orange and all that. And they're like, I charged $400 because it took me six hours. I'm like, it took you six hours. Cause you're not, you don't have enough experience and that's not. You didn't know how to do it. It's too yeah. far. You know, the pendulum has swung too far where the, the old school regime is like, Oh my gosh, $400, you know, like that's, unnerving to someone who's not used to charging those prices, but they probably, they most likely warrant those prices. And then you have the ones with the least amount of experience that are like, I don't care. And they're charging it. And then I call them the boat with the hole in it. I've had people come work for me where they're like hosing them on the price and then they never see them again. And then it's never. my responsibility as an owner to keep filling their chair. And I'm like, this has to stop. This is not a good system. You know, you're doing them, you're losing them. You're doing them, you're losing them. There's no longevity in that. There's yes. no longevity for them in their career. And then they disappear out, out of it. And I think that you're, so I, I do think that it's important to have the conversations of recognizing red flags. Red flags aren't always bad. Red flags are warnings to you about how to approach someone, right? Because there are going to be people in your chair that you might not like. I'm not there to be friends. You, I'm, clients aren't my mates, right? We're not going out and having a good time, but I recognize that I need to be affable and I need to be able to relate to them, to attract the people that I want. 
but also I am providing the service. And, <clears throat> you know, red flags charge your worth. If you're not doing anybody, how can you charge so much money? If you're packed, you can do a price increase. What you, yes. people should be looking at is how much it costs to run that chair, whether you work for a salon or whether you <coughs> are independent. How much is the product now? Products, prices have changed, right? How much is the product? How much is the rent? How much is the electricity? How much is the chair? Blah, 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 blah. People don't know how to do that. And so Absolutely. these sort of things that people are talking about, the, the coaches, and there are thousands upon thousands of coaches now, they are important, but they're, they're, they're hitting the wrong people with it. And, you know, there are many, 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 many brilliant hairdressers in this country, all over the country, middle of nowhere, in a small little town that can do things that maybe you and I couldn't even do. And they need encouraging to up the ante. And we need to celebrate the, the, the amount of knowledge and the older people within the industry, myself included in there, it doesn't have to be just a young person's game. Both have something to offer to each other and we should be pulling together. Oh, I can feel Absolutely. so strongly about that. You can feel the passion in me, right? Sorry. Well, we, we need to get you in my mentorship. I created the Hairstylist Ultimate Mentorship for that reason. I have Ann Mincy, who's been with Redkin for over 40 years. I have the Wilsons, Marion and Philip Wilson. Vivian McKinder, I, I reached out to all of the people that have made an impact on my career and have been around for 35, 40 years. I worked said, hey, with Philip many, many years ago. I used to be on awesome. Philip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy. So I asked them, I was like, can, can you volunteer your time and create some education for me to put into this mentorship? Because my online education, the biggest pushback that I get when I do my launches and say, join my membership and all that, they say... I can't afford it. So I was like, okay, that's, that's a valid point. And many people can't afford it. So I'm going to do something totally pro bono, totally free and see if it makes a difference. So I create this mentorship. I have 20 amazing mentors. There's video after video. It's about consultation, you know, connection with clients, actual technique. It's a very hearty, basically big free membership. And we had 1500 people sign up, which should be 15,000 because it's free. Great. So people still hesitate. And when we do the live quarterly events that are free and we have these mentors, you get put into breakout rooms with Vivian and Philip and Jack Howard, if you're in it, it's like these really high level educators and you're in this tiny room with them and you can ask them anything that you want. I'm like, oh my gosh, if that was available when I was starting out, I would be at every single event 20 minutes before it starts. So I we started seeing- I would love to do that. Yeah, because I, I think part of part of me at this point in my career is about giving giving back more than taking. 100%. I I mentor the ID artists in the USA for Laurel Professional. I wanted to say be, uh, within this, like all those awards up at the back, I didn't enter an award show until I was forty something. Oh, award, awesome. I didn't win an award until I was forty nine, and so all the time before that, I had a I've had a great career. You know, I've been broke. I've earned great money. I, you know, I've worked for brands. I've done all that stuff. But it didn't all happen in the first 10 years. It, it's a career of 40 years of solid work. And it's been different every decade. And I think that people should know that just because it's not happening right now for you, 
it can still happen. I love that. That's so mm. true. And that's what I love about the industry. So my, my final question for you, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Um, oh, there's God. certain moments in everyone's career. Like I can think of mine right off the top of my head. Like there's that moment that you go from the fearful questioning yourself, always asking a, a, a neighbor, like, is this formula right? You know, like what was that one moment or technique or mentor mentee connection? Like what moment did you feel like I've got this? Like I'm Jack Howard. I've got this. I'm, I'm an independent person. I can, I can handle anything behind the chair. Uh, wow. So I think that for the first 10, 11, 12 years of my career, I didn't understand color at all. And I'm a hair colorist right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I had to go and do color keys three times before I understood it. I mean, I just, um, it's not really a lot in here, up here, when it comes to that kind of thing. And I think that when I did color specialist, where it really got into the nitty gritty, I'm, I'm not a geek. I'm a, very much an emotional colorist, so it's feelings for me. Um, but when I fully understood that piece of it, then it became much, much easier for me as a colorist. But it was, <clears throat> wasn't in until at least the first 10 years. I think I was just, I used to use pre-lightener in 20, I used to use 901S, and I used to use Toppy Blonde Highlight. And, it's, and it was the same for everybody. And it's not like that anymore. Um, right. And I was very, very fearful. I was scared because I didn't know. And I was like, oh, they're going to think I'm stupid. And, I, you know, they're going to they're gonna see I'm a fraud. And um, so it was taking the plunge and doing that. And the other instant as the educator was that I had a boss at the time who wanted me to do all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't do this stuff. I can't get on stage and say, do these 5,000 triangle sections. Mm-hmm. And bless him, right? Because he said to me, well, what do you do? And I said, I'm busy behind the chair and it works for me. And he's like, your salon's successful. Be that on stage. And it was this aha moment when suddenly I didn't have to be the showman. Mm. I didn't have to have pyrogenics going behind me and <laughs> dancing girls, right? Because you know some of those shows are like that, right? I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to fall. Yes. I nearly fell on the BTC stage this year. I mean, I'm such a klutz. But get me with that model, get me in my hands in that hair, get me using that product and I can explain to you why I'm doing it and why, what's going on here and the ins and the whys, why it feels good to me and what it looks like at the end of it. And so if I, I recognize that one, I needed theory education to be a good colorist. And I was an okay colorist before that, but I was too safe. And the second piece was that when I discovered what my secret power was, that I could go on stage anywhere in the world and be that and deliver that. And they were the magical moments for me. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I love that you focused on the why, because that is why I became an educator. Every single class that I went to never shared the why. It was, this is what I did on this model. This is the formula. And then they pranced her down the runway and everybody clapped and wrote down the formula. And I was like, but I still don't know why you chose that color. Like that's nope. the missing piece. The missing piece of the puzzle, right? Because it's the basics. It's the undercoats, the underlying pigment, whatever we call it in every country. And I get confused with that. So I Undercoat's a new one to me. I like that. <laughs> okay, undercoats. You know, everything reveals warm. We know that, right? But it's like, what level is it? Is it at? And we're either subduing, neutralizing or enhancing. 
that that's it really in many but ways see how simple you just made it in one sentence and that's the frustration it really is that simple yes and when you try to teach it that way they go but i, I don't understand or they'll say well what about when when i'm doing you know like just a demi i'm like well you're not having underlying pigment because you're not lifting like it's just so simple it is but simple. i think like you said the fear comes up and you get like black eye like you, you're like see black you can't even see anything in front of you when you're that fearful everything no. seems more complicated than it than it needs to be when i fill in a form a government form you know tax time's coming right oh when, don't when I even oh my god i drive my husband crazy i go <laughs> i slide it across the table i'm like you take care of this i go blank and it's the same for me when i do a theory class or anything and it is brilliant educators that deliver it in a way in which I can understand it and still deliver it to the person next to me in a way that they can understand it. And that is always my goal in education is that there are lots of ways to learn in a room and I wanna be able to hit them all with the people that are there. That's amazing. You're amazing. This has been so much fun. How can people I find you? It. Share share where to find Jack. more of Jack Howard. So Jack Howard's on Facebook, Jack Howard Color, Instagram, Jack Howard Color. If you want to giggle, go on TikTok, Jack Howard Color, C-O-L-O-R. And also my education platform, which I opened up free to everybody, is jackhowardandfriends.com. And all you have to do is sign up and there are 70 videos on there. And my podcast is the same, Jack Howard Color. Awesome. Thank you Thank so you much. So and, much. And we're going to get you it. involved in the mentorship. We're going to talk after we wrap this up. I'd love to do that. And I could actually, t you know, I obviously can talk for hours. So thank you so much. You and me both. This could be a four hour podcast. I'm having fun. I could go forever. But thank you so much. And thank you all of you for listening. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much, guys. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.